1: Some of it's because we live in a fallen world, but in this case, it's God who gives the dreams. Now, now that raises an interesting question. Does God still speak to us through dreams? I believe the answer is yes, no.
2: No.
1: you do when nightmares come? I, I can specifically remember a reoccurring nightmare I had as a child. I remember it because to this day it does not make sense. But it was terrifying to me. And I can remember what I did the first time and, and then other times when that nightmare came as a child. I did what most children do when they experience A bad dream in the middle of the night. I got out of my bed and went to my mom and dad and asked for comfort. We lose the ability to do that as we get older, but nightmares still come. Certainly, real things take place in our lives that could be identified as nightmares, things we could have never imagined happening. But even as adults, we encounter dreams in the evenings that cause us to be disturbed perhaps we worry about what's going to happen to our children what could come of our marriage we've listened to all the news and we worry about the worst things that could happen to us that's what we're going to talk about today what do you do when nightmares come how do you live with certainty in these very uncertain times But before we jump into this week's passage, let me remind you where we are in God's Word, the Bible. We're in the book of Daniel, and if we could summarize Daniel with one verse, it would be the verse we focused in on last week in chapter 1, verse 8. Listen to the Word of God. But Daniel resolved... Or some of your translations say he purposed in his heart. He resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So just as God had told the children of Israel he would do, he allowed the children of Israel to go into captivity in the most powerful nation in the land at that time, the land of Babylon. And so Daniel is a young man. He's probably somewhere between the ages of 14 and 17, and he has this challenge. How do I live in Babylon without letting Babylon live in me? How do I make sure I'm standing for God even when no one is around? And what you have in verse 8, it really defines the rest of his life. And that's true of you and me. We make choices, and then the choices make us. We make decisions, and those decisions shape and determine our destiny. And just as Daniel, much of that takes place earlier in life. Did you know that those who study these things would tell us that most people, the overwhelming majority of people that begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, do so under the age of 18. Most people that yield their life, that surrender into a call, To missions or ministry do so earlier in life both of these things were true in my life as a child I began my relationship with Christ and God first began to call me into ministry I think when I was 12 I finally surrendered when I was about 21 but early in life we make decisions we make choices that shape us those decisions in Daniel's life began to take impact even as we turn the page and go into Daniel chapter 2. And that speaks to this theme of what do we do when nightmares come in our life. In fact, there's one truth that I would begin with. Here it is. Unknown outcomes and uncertain times, they create anxiety and they trouble the spirit. I know what some of you are thinking. Yeah, duh. Duh. When we go through the difficult experiences of not knowing what tomorrow holds, it's troubling. We're living in that in 2020, right? We don't know what's happening with COVID-19. We wonder what's going to take place in a presidential election. And not to mention, we have no clue what's coming around the corner that we haven't anticipated. The uncertainty, it creates anxiety. It troubles the spirit. Daniel chapter 2, let's begin reading in verse 1. Now we ended chapter 1, we see Daniel and his friends had gained favor from the king. They were going to be in this university type setting, this educational setting for about three years in the Babylonian system of counting. Uh, They would have counted that first year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, just kind of as a year of assessment, and then there would be two more years that would follow that, which is where we pick up in Daniel chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. You could insert the word nightmares because his spirit was troubled and sleep left him. Again, a lot of us can relate to that, right? You call that depression. The outside world pushes in so much that your soul is troubled. You can't even sleep when you lay down. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans. So in other words, all the people that in the past had had the ability to speak to the unknown. Whether it was magical, whether it was dark magic, sorcerers. Or whether it was the Chaldeans, the Chaldeans, they considered what they did scientific because they would ask people to record their dreams. They would write down the dreams and then they would look at the people's lives and tell what had happened based on the dreams and thus make predictions when other people had similar dreams. The king thought it was in his power to have this accomplished. So all these people came in and they stood before the king and the king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled To know the dream. Did you know that you dream every night? Some of you are saying, no, I don't. Well, I'm not talking about your recall. I'm talking about your dream. Scientists tell us that the average person dreams every night. In fact, the average person dreams five different dreams every night. Some of these we remember. Most of these, we don't recall. The king, King Nebuchadnezzar, one of the most powerful people in the world. He was named after a god of wisdom. And yet, he found himself in a place of darkness and ignorance. And it troubled him. Now, it should not be surprising to us that the things of this world trouble us. In fact, Jesus told us that would be the case. In this world, you will have what? Trouble. But then Jesus says, don't fear because I have overcome the world. Jesus knew that we would struggle with anxiety. So he would say things like, do not worry about what tomorrow holds. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. I created them like I created you. They don't seem to be worried. Paul would pick up on this in Philippians. He would say, be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and, and your supplication, your request. Make those requests known to God and with thanksgiving and the peace of God which surpasses human understanding. In other words, even though it doesn't make sense, God's peace will come into your life and it will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. In fact, we could adjust something we say here often. You are either in a time of uncertainty in your life You've just come out of a time of uncertainty in your life, or you may not realize it, but you're headed into a time of uncertainty. Does that trouble you? Does that trouble your spirit? For most of us, it does. Why? We like to know what's going on. We want to be in the know. We're obsessed with knowing the future. Most of you know, we have a little girl who was born blind. Blind. And though she can't see physically, she sees with her ears and with her touch. In fact, she had snuck into the room where Kimberly and I were talking just yesterday. We were talking about something that was taking place in the coming week. And she interrupted the conversation. And she said this, I see you. (laughs) Mama said, well, you don't see us, but you hear us. Here's what she was saying. I want you to know I'm here and i know what's going on i hear you we have this hunger that's why there's a resurgence of astrology and horoscopes in the land did you know that millennials believe they are the most <laughs> this is just funny they believe they're the most stressed out generation to have ever lived and so they say they're turning to horoscopes and astrology to help let them know what the future holds don't be too hard on millennials, though, because in the United States there are 125 million people that believe in astrology. 70 million who look at their horoscope every day. 7% of them, sounds like a small percentage, but it's millions of people, would say that they made decisions in their life based on what their Horoscope say, well, why would you do this? Why would you get to the point? Well, it's because we have this fear of the future. In fact, psychologists psychologist said that one of the most powerful influences on fear is uncertainty. The less we know, the more threatened we feel because of the lack of knowledge. We don't know what we need to know to protect ourselves. He goes on to say, let me illustrate this. Imagine you're in a car, you're driving, you're going down the highway wide open at 85 miles an hour. And then you close your eyes. How far could you go? A half mile? A mile? Even the thought terrifies us because we know that we want to see where we're going in, t- in order to arrive in safety and security. Knowledge of the future, he says, is incomplete knowledge. Knowledge is power. We don't know, so we get afraid. Augustine, the famous philosopher of early ages, says the human heart is restless until it finds its rest in God. Now, in this case, it's God who creates the uncertainty. Now, ultimately, we know that God is sovereign, right? So he's not caught off guard by anything in our life. But he's not a puppet master. Everything we experience, it's not the result of God mashing a button or pulling a string. Some of it's because we live in a fallen world. But in this case, it's God who gives the dreams. Now, now that raises an interesting question. Does God still speak to us through dreams? I believe the answer is yes and no. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious years ago as our staff was meeting to pray at 1002, I felt led to ask our staff to pray that God would do right here in our community what he's doing around the world, particularly among Muslims, that he would speak to Muslims in our community and he would begin to reveal himself and, and point them to himself so that we could lead them to a relationship with Christ. It was only a week later that a young lady came into our office and to make a long story short... She revealed a dream that she had about a man dressed in white. She turned to Pastor Zach and said, who is that man? And Pastor Zach was able to lead her to faith in Jesus Christ. God is doing that around the world. But understand this. When God speaks to us in dreams, it's never going to be... In an additive way or a contrary way to something that he's already given us in scripture. Why? In Jude 3 it says, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about the common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you to contend to the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So we understand that when it comes to the word of God, the revelation that he has given us is complete. You don't need God to give you a new word to know what it is he wants you to do. Anything he's going to do in a dream is going to point you to Jesus Christ. It's always for the purpose of pointing you to Jesus. That's what's happening, as you're going to see, even in Nebuchadnezzar. So for most of us, when we have a weird dream, don't try to interpret it. Just don't eat as much pizza the night before, and you'll probably be better off. What's going on here in this case? Well, Nebuchadnezzar is experiencing something that every person experiences who is apart from God. Understand this truth. A person who is not at peace with God will find it impossible to be at peace with himself, And so it's incredulous to think they could be at peace in the world. If you're not at peace with God, you're not going to be at peace with yourself. And you'll have trouble finding peace in this world. So the king is not at at peace. So he flips his lid. He really goes nuts. This is what he said. He assembles all the magicians, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans. And he says, I had a dream. Tell me what I dreamed. And tell me what it means. You have to understand that. That's what the passage is going to say to us. Not just tell me what this means. Now, I don't remember what I dreamed. I just know it troubles me. I know I woke up with the cold sweats. It's scaring me to death. So tell me what I dream and then tell me what it means. If not, he says, I'm going to rip you apart limb to limb. And then I'm going to destroy your houses. Now, I read from the ESV, and that's kind of what it says. But most every other translation says this. I'm going to turn your house, the place you live, into a dunghill, a pile of poop. He's nuts. He's flipped. So what do they do? Well, they do the only thing they can do. Look at verse 10. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, Excuse me, sir, there's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with the flesh hey, I want you to understand that you're going to counter things in life that have no explanation apart from the hand and the touch of an almighty God. There are things that you're going to experience. There are endeavors that you're going to go through that you want to understand the meaning of, and you're just going to have to say, I will trust the mystery of God. But for Nebuchadnezzar, he found this out. When you're losing your mind, common sense doesn't even make sense. Have you ever tried to reason with a person who's living in illogical land? In, in other words, you're looking at all the decisions they're making, you're looking at all the things they're doing, and it makes zero sense. And then you try to reason with them, they've got a comeback, they've got an excuse, they've got a nonsensical answer for everything you say. And that's what happened with the king. Look at verse 12. Because of this, the king was angry, he was very furious. And he commanded to all the wise men of Babylon, be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were to be killed. But notice this last phrase. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Why in the world are they after Daniel? I thought it was enchanters and sorcerers and magicians and Chaldeans. Well, what did we learn in chapter 1? Daniel became one of the wise men. And so now, as can happen to you and me. He finds himself guilty... By association at the hands of an angry king. Let me just mention, I I talked about sleeplessness as a symptom, a sign of depression. Did you know that anger, particularly in men, anger is another symptom or sign of depression in your life? Things aren't making sense to you. You're not at peace with yourself. You're not at peace with God. And so you begin to latch out at others. That's what the king does. So what does Daniel do? Look at verse 16. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation of to the king. Now, at this point, Daniel didn't know the interpretation. But he went to the king and said, Hey, let's just set up a time for me to come back and tell you what all this means. Now, why in the world did Daniel think that the king that was angry, the king had just ordered everybody to be killed and and their houses to be turned into a pile of poop. Why in the world did Daniel think the king would listen to him? Well, look back at Daniel chapter 1, verse 17. After Daniel had resolved to do what was right in the sight of God, it says, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill and literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in what? All visions and dreams. So for a couple of years, we have every reason to believe that Daniel, in his encounters with other people, had begun to understand. Wow, I have the ability to understand what visions and dreams mean. So fast forward, we're in chapter 2. The king has asked all the wise men to come in. Nobody can give an answer. They come to take Daniel to kill him. The executioner comes and Daniel says, time out. Let me go to the king. I just need a few minutes. So he goes to the king, he asks, hey, can I come back and tell you what this means? Because he knew that the God he had resolved to serve would be faithful to keep his word. Now let me just tell you something, church, that is true for you. When you make a commitment to serve God, when you place your yes on the table, when you bend the knee and surrender... However you want to think of it, you cross the faith line. When you make a resolve to be faithful to God, he will always be faithful to you. He is the original promise keeper. God always gives you what you need. And sometimes he does that even before you need it. So in chapter 1, God gives Daniel what he's going to need in chapter 2. And so you're going to walk through times of uncertainty? Let me just tell you, your God will be faithful to supply your needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Now, why would the king listen to Daniel? I ask you, why would Daniel think the king would listen? But why would the king listen to Daniel? Look at verse 20 of chapter 1. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all his magicians and enchanters that were in the kingdom. So while the king had not thought about Daniel, apparently previously, once Daniel goes to him, he says, oh, yeah, oh, Belshazzar, the Hebrew boy that we've been educating, the child of nobility. Yeah, I remember him. He may be able to help me. So what did Daniel do? He's self-assured, but he's not self-reliant. Well, that's an important truth. If I were taking notes, I would jot that down. As a Christ follower, as a child of God, as a creation of the king of kings, I need to be self-assured. I need to walk in confidence. But I must never be self-reliant. So look at verse 17. Daniel went to his house, and he made the matter known to Ananiah, Meshach, and Azariah. Now, who is that? That's the new names given to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego. And he told them, seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this misery, mystery. So that, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So the first thing that Daniel did after getting permission from the king to take a few minutes and figure this thing out. The first thing that Daniel did, he went to the people who believed like he did. And he said, oh, seek the face of God. Ask him for mercy. Because otherwise, all of us are going to be killed. It's another principle here. When there's nothing left to do but pray, boy, you'd better pray. Don't give up on prayer. Don't stop praying because things don't seem to be being answered the way you wish they would be answered because you're not getting your way because you don't seem to have your will. Pray. Cry out
2: to God. Ask Him for mercy been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement, but it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis weekdays at 9 a.m. on Faith Talk Tampa, online at letstalkfaith.com.